Welcome back to Cooking the Books with me, Jilly Smith. And this week, as we head towards Blue Monday, the day when the credit card bills hit the doormat and midwinter can feel very bleak indeed, I'm with Razak Mirjan, who knows all about it and has produced From Bedder's Kitchen, a recipe book to accompany his supper clubs, which raise awareness around mental health. But before we meet Razak and one of the contributors to the book, Chef Tom Sensi, Anna Lappe, one of the most influential and inspiring speakers on climate and food in the world, chatted to me about her talk at this year's online version of the Oxford Real Farming Conference, Spinning Food, PR Tactics, Industry Uses to Shape the Story of Food. More and more of us are aware that for decades, big tobacco and big oil have spun a story about their products and practices to convince us we shouldn't be worried. We shouldn't be worried about cigarettes. We shouldn't be worried about climate change. And of course, we know that is industry spin. In the exact same way, the chemical companies pushing pesticides on communities and farmers around the world have been spinning a story of doubt and denialism to try to have us believe that we need their products to feed the world and that their products are completely safe. The truth is, we can feed the world without relying on toxic pesticides. And the truth is, many of those pesticides are a threat. They're a threat to us. They're a threat to the birds and the bees. They're a threat to biodiversity. And it's on all of us, on all of our shoulders, to help be the messengers of truth and to help expose spin when and where we see it. And you can watch the whole conference on the ORFC YouTube channel or by going to orfc.org. And do find out all about Anna and her extraordinary work at annalappe.com. Now, to Chef Tom Sensi and Razak Mirjan to talk about mental health in the professional kitchen, how to make it okay to talk about your down days, and the outpouring of love from the food community to support mental health. You have so many amazing people involved, share, generously sharing. What advice would they give to their younger self, times when they've struggled, how food helps them with their mental health, that is almost as interesting, if not more interesting, than, than reading the recipes themselves. Tell us, first of all, a little bit about the book. Tell us a bit about the background. Of course. So From Bedder's Kitchen is a, a new charity cookbook, softly raising awareness around both mental health and suicide prevention, that really came about during the first lockdown and is a collection of recipes and reflections from a range of amazing chefs and foodies from around the world, um, leading from head and executive chefs, restaurants, food bloggers, master chef winners, uh, and many more. And of course, you know, lots and lots of people have been talking about mental health issues, feelings of isolation, feelings of just unable to cope for all sorts of reasons that's come out of the COVID crisis. But this was inspired, sadly, by the death of your brother. So your first food moment is Bedder's story. Can you tell us a little bit about your brother? Yeah, of course. So, as you said, sadly, I lost my my younger brother, Bedder, um, at the age of 18 in April 2017, when he took his own life. Um, And it was a complete shock. Obviously, the the worst day in in my life and I think our families. And hopefully, yeah, it won't get any worse than that. But um, it it was a shock. You know, he was a, a wonderful wonderful boy um great personality quiet until you got to know him and then very funny had a you know great interest in flying and airplanes and watches and computers and everything like that he attended dulwich college and um you know enjoyed his time there and and now what we've done is we founded a charity as as, you know why we're here now called better uh, in his name to do good in his name but to do more than that it's more than a family charity it's one that 
we want to, to use to softly raise awareness around these issues, to normalise the conversation around both mental health and suicide, and for it to become a platform for others to, to join and become a part of to to overcome yeah, the fear and stigma that surrounds these issues. And it's the positive of a, a very, very difficult situation. Yeah. And we'll talk more about the cooking in a minute. And we've got Tom Sensi here, one of the many people who have um, contributed wonderful recipes to this book. But your second food moment is meeting Will Beckett of Hawksmoor. Um, was he a father at the school? Yeah, so, so Will, uh, his sons go to, go to Dulwich and, um, yeah, they've been incredible. As, as you know, better went there, as I said, and the headmaster Joe Spence has been incredibly supportive. Um, and Fiona Angel, who's head of pastoral, is, is a trustee of the charity as well. Uh, unbelievably supportive since we lost better to what we're doing as a charity. So yes. Now that changed everything, didn't it? Tell us about how you came up with the idea of the book and met the enormous amount of extraordinary people who will. Uh, introduce you to yeah of course so from better's kitchen came about as a product of, of the first lockdown we uh, as a charity before the lockdown came about we organized events and initiatives throughout london ranging from mindful painting to a football match at fulham's training ground to a concert for 700 people at union chapel but when that was taken away due to the lockdown we moved everything online so we did a number of online cooking classes with a range of great chefs and foodies we did a magic masterclass we did workshops on on different platforms so we could still connect and we could still reach more people and the cooking classes proved incredibly popular both with the contributors wanting to get involved and the people who were tuning in and and getting involved as a chance to bond over food at a time when we couldn't be together physically but we could at least digitally and uh that then led me to want to build on that momentum and and the popularity that I, i felt was there and reach out to even more chefs and foodies to see if they'd like to contribute a recipe with the idea of us creating a charity cookbook. Now, it's safe to say that when I had the idea of creating a charity cookbook, I had absolutely no idea what it takes to put together a charity cookbook or just a cookbook in general. There are so many moving parts. But it was made easier by the people we brought on board, every single contributor. Some submitted more than one recipe, um, and everyone, everyone else part of the team to, to bring it together and to get to us where we are now. Yeah. So some of the names are pretty big. Um, Yotamata Lengi, Romy Gill, Fiona Beckett, Miles Kirby, and Dishoom. Um, I mean, the, the Ramses, you've got three Ramses in the book. I mean, how did that happen? We've been incredibly fortunate with the, the people who have come on board from the leading names to, to those up and coming uh, bloggers and, and MasterChef winners, etc. Um, the initial concept was to have a contributor put two to three recipes in and we've got to a stage where we had way more than 90 recipes and way more than 90 contributors that we had to to select a a group of of those we thought fit and we've been fortunate a number i reached out personally and they such as tom um, and have been unbelievably willing and supportive of of this initiative to others for example the ones you listed were introduced to, to will beckett and he very kindly offered to provide a recipe from Hawksmoor, but also took it upon himself to reach out to some of his friends within the industry to see if they'd be interested to do it. And again, it really helped elevate the project and and the book, um, which I'm incredibly grateful for. And of course, yes, we've got um, uh, three of the Ramses, which is great, Gordon, Tillian, um, Tana. And that's also generously through Dulwich, as Beda was... uh, 
there in, in the CCF with Gordon's son. So we've got this incredible array of, of amazing foodies from, as I said, you know, MasterChef winners, a great British Bake Off winner to, to these names. It's, it's really exciting. Yeah, extraordinary. We'll talk a little bit more about the, the, the role of social media and influences in, in your fourth food moment. Um, the role of mood and food, though, I mean, people have talked about it for decades now, and there is a very strong correlation. I mean, you did actually sort of set out the chapters in a kind of a health orientated way way you know starting your food the right way you've got lovely recipes from people like sally clark chapter two happy gut happy life but you know it is all about food and mood and tom will come to you in a minute to see what you think about that but Razak, what was your idea behind that was that your idea yes believe it or not um it was we wanted this book to be open to all and very home cook friendly with a range of recipes and covering you know vegan dishes to meat healthy recipes you're more sort of soul food orientated ones and, and that's how the chapters came about the first is breakfast and brunch themed the second is, is healthy happy gut themed um to ones which are quicker fast food meals that can be done in, in under an hour uh and then my favorites of the soul food chapter where you've got the the dishes that everyone would love from the lancashire hot pots to a uh a butternut squash mac and cheese and and tahini chicken snits we've got a whole range of things and then the fifth chapter is, is sweet treats with the desserts and baking side of things tom i'm trying to look at which one yours is in um i'm presuming yours is soul food is it yes it's soul food your chicken kiev tell us about why of all the dishes that you've ever cooked um why chicken kiev I think you know sometimes it's uh, you know it's about memories and nostalgia you know lots of chefs can can play on that idea and it's just you know if you can create emotions you know when when you're cooking you know it can really help a release and just you know and, and good memories and good times you know it, there's a lot of stories of of people breaking bread for example and you know coming around a dinner table to eat and so you know I think it's just trying to play on um on you know on memories from childhoods and things and lots of my cooking is, is kind of like that anyway but you know it kind of seems like a perfect recipe for for the book yeah and lots of people came to cooking of course during lockdown people have found this new love um what why do you think that food is so synonymous with feeling better about yourself i think it's just it's the it's the raw emotions it can bring as well i think you know when you cook something that you really do like it brings out such joy and you know when you're hungry and you're down and you're tired and you're depressed you know actually there is you know it, that that food kind of lifts you it, you know it fills that void that you know it's just emotions that it brings out can be amazing now of course there's a lot of mental health issues in the kitchens of the great chefs um there's a lot of stress uh high adrenaline a lot of bullying in the past um, not so much these days. A lot of uh, uh, r- release in uh, recreational uh, activities and substances. Um, you hear a lot of it amongst chefs. I mean, how much of that have you witnessed? Uh, in my younger years, a lot. Yeah, you're right. You know, there used to be a lot of debauchery, you could say, and just, uh, you know, the bullying. Just, it wasn't, the hospitality industry in the whole years and years ago was not a nice place to work. It was just male bravado and just, yeah, it, it, you know, it was tough. But, you know, times have changed and it's a lot better now. You know, there, you know, I've seen such a drastic change over the years of, of chefs going from using, you know, recreational things to uh, actually uh, looking after themselves, going to the gym, 
<laughs> taking juices and, and smoothies and things. And actually, it's all about mind and body and just really healthy and just the, the benefits that can bring over in the long term. I think, you know, sometimes before, you know, the short term solutions aren't good overall. And actually, if you can look after yourself and look after the people around you, it's better for everyone. Because, of course, I've been in plenty of kitchens where the, you know, the head chef has been sort of a paternal figure um, and has taken very young people. Remember that a lot of chefs come into the kitchen. There is, you know, out of catering college, the 16, 17 year olds um, possibly haven't had great role models in the home and find someone who's a real leader. And we've seen plenty of that. Um, Have you had any experiences of great chef leaders, great bosses? Yeah, I think, you know, people, I always get asked questions like, who who inspires you? Who do you look up to most? And I think actually it's just the chefs that I've worked for. You know, so many people see these chefs on TV and, and they're great, but actually it's the chefs that I've personally worked for because you, you know, you work day in, day out. Sometimes you're working, you know, a lot of hours and you spend a lot of time with these people. They could become family. You know, they become brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers to you. And it's just, uh, you know, you really kind of do look up to them. And it's it's so important that that, that leader, that role model, <laughs> sets the right example. Yeah, give us some examples, Tom. Um, so I worked with uh, Herbert Berger. Um, he was at One Lombard Street when I was there. Great name for a chef. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He worked at uh, uh, the Cafe Royal uh, uh, in London. One of Mitchin, one of the first chefs to mention star in London. Uh, yeah, fantastic. But he was just. Yeah, I mean, he had discipline, but it was in the right way. And he was just so respectful of all the chefs. And uh, another was Julian Owen Mould that I used to work for in Soho, in a restaurant called Noble Rot, but the original Noble Rot, not the new one now. And, um, yeah, it was just, you know, the, the things that they teach you just about, you know, respect and looking after each other, it really kind of changed my my view of how to, how to treat people. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go into your fourth food moment. Um, it is about cooking but it's not the message of the book isn't that you can cook your way out of mental health issues but that there is a way out that there are people listening there are people paying attention there are lots of people contributing to an issue that is getting uh, getting noticed finally tell me a little bit Razak about the 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 influences you've got um, a foreword for example by Judy Caller um, who hints that she's had plenty of down days in fact she says that she was writing the book when when she was having a down day did you tap into a a rich vein of people who are ready to talk about this kind of stuff I feel that when you give people the opportunity to open up then they will and by us all talking about mental health more it makes others feel more comfortable to talk about it and when you start to talk about it you realize that you're not the only one and this is the power of talking and from Better's kitchen is much more than a cookbook it's what really excites us and, and it connects so well with us as a charity it softly raises awareness around the issues of mental health and suicide prevention through the reflections provided by the large majority of of the contributors and i think it's so special because you have so many amazing people involved share, generously sharing what advice would they give to their younger self times when they've struggled how food helps them with their mental health that is almost as interesting if not more interesting than, than reading the recipes yeah. themselves and yeah. by reading it from tom or jose or whoever it really does open your eyes to realize oh well that person's also struggled with this or oh they felt like this at one point in their life that again underlines that you're not alone in what you feel and uh, the importance of sharing 
What can people take from your experience? You say that Better was a happy chap. He had a bright future. Uh, you know, what do you think now was going on? What are the, the signs to look for? What do people need to know? It's a difficult question and, and there's sometimes not, you know, an answer that one size fits all. But I think a number of things need to continue to kind of come to the attention of, you know, the general public. And, and that's to to realise it's OK not to be OK. It's the, the sayings we hear all the time. But when you're suffering with anything, talking about it to whoever, a family member, a friend, someone you don't know, um, helps so much. Because just by talking about whatever is on your mind, however big or small it is, can make you realise that you're not alone. And you may feel it's a, a sign of weakness, telling someone that I don't feel that good today. I don't know why, but I feel really down. But it's a sign of strength. And, and by showing that strength, it gives others the strength to do so as well. And it's also just keeping those around you very close and, and not taking things for granted. You know, human nature is we take things for granted. And it's only when you lose something or someone that you have that perspective to to look back. So I'd say it's, it's super important to make sure that we always check in with those around us and, and we take the time to, to look after them and ourselves. We talk about whatever's on our mind, however big, however small, it's never silly, it's never trivial, it's important to talk about these things. And and the third is, what I guess, what the charity is built around is, is self-care, is taking that time to look after yourself, taking that time to do the things you enjoy, because we're all very busy, we have incredibly busy lives, but you have to take time out to look after yourself, to do whatever it is, whether it's cooking or painting or playing football, these are incredibly important and, and shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah. And you've partnered with Young Minds and Samaritans. Um, young Minds in particular because Better was a, a teenager um, and, and a lot of teenagers do go through enormous self-doubt, feeling incredibly isolated. You know, adolescence is such a, a difficult process. We've all been there, you know, and it's that moment where you suddenly think, well, who would miss me? you know, and when you can be in such pain, and of course, the moment will pass. But can you actually say to someone, are you thinking of suicide? Is that the thing to say? The language around both mental health and suicide is difficult because of the, whole, the very nature of it um, and, and the fear and the stigma that surrounds it. I think there are ways that you can ask questions indirectly that can get people to talk you know from simple of what is on your mind at the moment to what is worrying you most most right now have you been sleeping recently you know what would you like to change about your life or what are you looking forward to right now you know these simple questions that can open up the dialogue and, and get people to talk um and as you mentioned we've partnered with both young minds and samaritans because we're not here to recreate the wheel. We're not here to compete with the other charities that already exist. We're here to take our own unique approach and Young Minds do amazing work. They have a parents helpline. They have great resources. Samaritans, of course, are you know, the market leader for, for providing this 24-7 helpline. Uh, it made complete sense for us to support the work that they do and, and become a mouthpiece to signpost people to them and, and, and promote what they do as well. Guys, thank you very much. Best of luck with it. What happens after lockdown, uh, Razak? Will you go back to the, will you do supper clubs? Will you do, you know, keep doing the events? Yes. So after lockdown, it will be a certainly an exciting time for Better as a Charity. 
We're going to continue doing our in-person events, um, which will range from evenings with inspirational individuals, football, anything like this, wellness-related events. But we'll certainly be doing more digitally, uh, continuing to reach more people, um, and we'll be doing a lot more around from Bedder's Kitchen. I think supper clubs will definitely be in the diary. So we look forward to getting people together physically when, when we can and, and the book continuing to reach all corners of the world. Yeah. And if people do want to get in touch with young minds in particular, if they have teenagers who they're worried about, uh, how do they get in touch with them? Everything is available on our website, better.org.uk. There's a section on mental health that provides great resources and information of contacting young minds and on suicide prevention for the Samaritans. So I'd head there. Thanks for listening. You can buy from Bedder's Kitchen and all the books featured on Cooking the Books by clicking on the bookshop tab at jillysmith.com. And while you're there, do sign up for the newsletter for loads more stuff happening this year. Next week, I'm with Sam Gates to find out how batch cooking can help save the planet.